from spiritual signs to sociological gestures, from political expressions to technological hints, even natural warnings. They all speak to biblical prophecies spoken from the ancient of days regarding things that would occur. Now, these things, they are nothing more than an indication of birthing pangs, as Jesus calls them, letting us know that we are that much closer to the return of Christ. Now, you know, sometimes without being um, super, super spiritual, as they say, and, and you know, counting everything as, as a sign, uh, that it, just because there are tornado, tornadoes and various things going on, it's not always uh, uh, an indication, if you will, that he's coming back. But one thing we know for sure, that what we see, what's been going on and what's happening now, it is an indication that Jesus is coming back. When? I don't know. How soon? I don't know. But one thing we know for sure, he is going to return. Uh, and I'm simply saying, you know, we need to be like the sons of Issachar. These were people who were, were aware, people who were discerning of times and seasons. And if we are in tune to the Spirit of God, we will see the, the spiritual significance behind what is going on. And perhaps the most important and significant way, I need you to hear me, to advance in adversity. Let me say it again. Perhaps the most important and significant way to advance, it also means to, to progress now in adversity, is by getting under God's protection plan. <laughs> Perhaps that is the most important and most significant way to advance is by being covered under God's protection plan. What is this plan called? I want you to write this down. Salvation. Salvation. The word salvation it's the Greek word soteria. Soteria. It simply means deliverance, preservation, prosperity, welfare, safety. That is, salvation is God's, listen to this, salvation is literally God's rescue which delivers believers out of destruction into his safety. <laughs> so when you are saved, you are delivered out of destruction or from destruction into safety. We've seen throughout the weeks that God is our refuge, our protection, our safety, our stronghold. So and listen, not just present destruction, but also future destruction. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, I'm just, I'm going to reference it, but if you want to go there, I'm around verse 20, 
23, 24, 25, 26, somewhere in there. But in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, we find uh, the Lord, he's predicting his suffering, death, and resurrection. And while he was teaching, much like sometimes today when we're preaching a word, um, there are those who are not paying attention or resisting the word. And he found Peter resisting what he was saying. And of course, he told Peter, the Lord rebuke you. Listen, you are an offense to me. <laughs> and then, of course, he rebuked Satan, who was trying to work through Peter or distract Peter. But he noticed one of the things he said. He said, you are mindful of the things. I'm sorry. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And I'm going somewhere now. Because we're talking about being covered under God's protection plan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but things of men. Jesus then spoke to the crowd and reminded them that there was nothing worth more than man's own eternal soul. There's nothing worth more than man's own eternal soul. So, again, when you leave here, you are going somewhere. But where you end up is your choice. Rejecting Christ might mean temporary earthly gains, but it will come at the worst possible price. So it may seem like things are good now. And don't misunderstand me. God wants you to enjoy life and to have things, but our lives are not to be, we shouldn't occupy our lives trying to accumulate things. Are you with me? Rejecting Christ means temporary, it may mean temporary, temporary gladness or earthly gains, but it comes at the worst possible price. Now I'm in Matthew 16 now. This is the context of Jesus' question. It was a rhetorical question. He says this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? If a person rejects Jesus, listen to this, if a person rejects Jesus and becomes the richest, most powerful person on earth, he still has made a poor decision. Because sooner or later, earthly things will fade away and that person will have lost the only part of himself that lasts forever. <laughs> My first point. First point. Are you guys here? And just let me say this. I wanted to go there because there's one thing for sure. And you can write this down. There's one thing for sure. There's one thing for sure that's transpicuous or easily understood about this pandemic. Is that man's wealth nor his possessions, no matter how copious, is enough to save his life from destruction. In other words, one thing that this pandemic has showed us, no matter how many cars you have, no matter how nice they are, no matter how much money you have saved, it cannot save you 
from destruction. So while many, while many are occupying their time in the acquisition of things, we should be seeking those things which are above. Are you guys here? First point, what is God's plan of salvation? What is God's plan of salvation? Notice we're talking about being covered under God's protection plan. What is God's protection plan of salvation? Give me a moment to write it down. What is God's protection plan of salvation? Just about all the world religions teach that we need to be delivered. But each has a different perspective of what we need to be, what we need to be delivered from, why we need to be delivered, and how deliverance can be received or achieved. I said again, when you look at all the world religions, they all teach that we need to be delivered, but they all have a different perspective of what we need to be delivered from, why we need to be delivered, and how deliverance can be received or achieved. Now, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that there is only one plan of salvation. <laughs> We're talking about the word of God. There's only one plan. Hear me. There's only one plan of salvation. Now, on last week, I just want to give you just a snippet of this. Uh, we were in John 10, and you can reference some of the verses, particularly uh, verse 7 through 10. And this is right after Jesus had healed a blind man um, when he went to the Pharisees, uh, they wanted to discredit Jesus for healing a man. Matter of fact, they mocked a man and mocked him for going to Jesus. So Jesus goes back to the man and he begins to minister to the man. And hearing the conversation, some of the Pharisees became indignant. And Jesus uh, uh, said this. Matter of fact, let's look at verse 7. So Jesus said again, I assure you. And most solemnly say to you, I am the door for the sheep leading to life. Understand, there's only one plan for salvation, leading to life. All who came before me as false messiahs, self-appointed leaders are what? Thieves and rock. There it go right here. As a, as a matter of fact, verse 8 identifies who the thief is. In verse 10, the thief is not Satan here. The thieves are religious leaders, cults, religions that tell you that there's another way other than Jesus. He tells us right here. Verse 9. Verse 8. All who came before me are false messiahs, self-appointed leaders, or thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not hear them. I am the door. One door. Anyone who enters through me will be all oh, saved if you enter through me and will live how long? Forever. There's your coverage. And will go in and out freely and find pastor or spiritual. See, there's no spiritual security apart from having a relationship with Jesus. That's why when you follow these other religions, 
there is no real security. Why? Because I don't know what I'm searching for. You haven't given me the answer. The thief comes only in order to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. As I stated last week, the thief here is not the devil. Figuratively, it is used here to refer to false teachers or anyone or any religion who claimed a way of salvation other than Jesus was robbing the people of the truth. Some have been sold a false plan. A plan that does not carry any weight. Acts 4.12 ERV Jesus is the only one who can save people. <laughs> it's right here in the word of God. Jesus is the only one who can save people. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save anyone. Now, there are a lot of names, but his is the only one that has power to save. There, there were a lot of people who were wise in, in, in what they were saying, that they might have been very intelligent, but their name does not carry the power to save. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save anyone. We must be saved through him. The Bible teaches that, that there is no other way to, to salvation than through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus says himself in John 4, 14, 6, I am the way, as I stated on last week, from the beginning of time, even from the book of Genesis, people, uh, uh, believers were, were those who followed Yahweh. They were considered the way. So when people heard the way, they knew that they were followers of Yahweh. So in, the, so when, in that day when Jesus said, I am the way, they knew that he was claiming to be the Messiah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, understand this. He is not a way as in one of many, as some teach. This is not a hybrid gospel. It's not a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We all serve the same God. No, we don't. And we have to be careful not to co-sign with individuals when we say we all serve the same God. Because if we don't see God in light of how he is portrayed are revealed in the Holy Scriptures, we don't serve the same God. So he's not a way as in one of many. He is the way as in the one and only. <laughs> I need to say that again. He's not a way. Now, you would have a legitimate, viable argument if the Scripture would read he is one of many ways. Then you would, may have a leg to stand on. But he is not a way as in one of many. He is the way as in the one and only. No one, absolutely no one, regardless of their reputation, their achievements, 
their special knowledge, their personal holiness can come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Point number two. Why must I be saved? Why do I need coverage? Why must I be saved? Why do we need to be saved? Simply put, we need to be saved because all have sinned. Now, what that literally means, and I'm going to show you here in Romans 3.23, the word of God says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that literally means is because of Adam, we were born into sin. That's what that means. All have sinned. So all have sinned, why? By way of Adam. When Adam abdicated or forfeited the promise, when he disobeyed God, sin, he gave access to sin to enter the world. Romans 5.19 ERV says this, one man disobeyed God and many became sinners. So there it is. We became sinners by way of Adam's disobedience. But in the same way, one man obeyed God and many became right. Or, or many would be made right with God. So by one man's disobedience, we were made sinners. And by one man's obedience, talk, by one man's disobedience, we were made sinners, talking about Adam. And by one man's obedience, we were made right with God. Who was that man? Jesus. And because sin entered the world, the payment of sin was death, resulting in eternal separation from God. If you remember when Adam sinned, notice what? They were separated and alienated from the presence of God. And without God's Listen to this. Without God's plan of salvation, eternal death is the destiny of every human being. So there had to be a sacrifice to come and get us back in right standings with the Father. So the punishment for sin, you see this in Romans 6.23, for the ways of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. There it goes again, eternal life in Christ Jesus. Point number three. Point number three. How let me, I had a typo, let me type that. How can I get covered under God's protection plan? Preacher, I hear you talking about this plan. How can I get this type of coverage? And let me say this, unlike most policies, this policy cannot lapse. <laughs> it's not based upon you making steady payments. <laughs> it's a one-time payment that secures your soul's eternal state. So when you're good, you're good. When you're not so good, you're your policy is still intact. 
I would stay there, but that's another message. In Acts chapter 16, I'm around verses 30 and 31. Paul and Silas was in jail and they were praying. And the Bible tells us how there was a great earthquake. The jail shook. The doors were open. The prison doors were open. And the jailer, uh, assuming that the prisoners would escape, ran and fell at the feet of Paul and Silas, finding them there. And they asked this question, or he asked this question, excuse me. What must I do to be saved? And there are many even now asking amongst this pandemic, a day that many of us thought we would never see. And, and, and there has been a shift and things would never be the same as they were. But they will be better for the believer. I always say, either way, you're good for the believer. And many are asking the same question today. What must I do to be saved? Again, there's only one plan of salvation. This is what the apostle says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Sir, ma'am, why not bring salvation to your household today? The way to get covered under God's protection plan of salvation is simply this, to believe on the Lord Jesus that's the only requirement. John 3, 16, Amplified Version. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever, <laughs> doesn't matter your ethnicity, your pedigree, Whoever, pastor, I'm a dope boy, whoever, pa pastor, I'm on drugs, whoever, pastor, I'm a prostitute, whoever, pa pastor, I'm this, Who I'm a thief, I'm a liar, I'm a cheat, whoever, I've been married 25 times, whoever, I live this lifestyle, I'm living this life, whoever, Listen, if you could fix yourselves by yourselves, there would be no need for a Savior. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his only, one and only begotten son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. God's protection plan. I'm admonishing you, those of you who are listening. Will you 
receive it. God has provided salvation through Jesus Christ alone. All we must do is receive it by faith, fully trusting in Jesus alone as Savior. At one point, and I, I close with this, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he began to declare some things about himself, about his body, how he is bred, and, it, and, it, and people not discerning what he was saying, they thought that he meant to literally eat of his flesh or eat his body. And the scripture talks about, this is John chapter 6, I'm around verse 68, 69. And the scripture says how many of his disciples or followers, not talking about the 12, were turning their backs and leaving him in hopes to find another savior. They was like, man, this is a hard saying. We can't get with this. We need to find, we need to go some other route. And, and, and remember, we always limit ourselves to the 12 disciples, but a disciple is a follower, a student, a pupil, a learner of a teacher. So he had more. He had lots of followers. But in, in this particular passage, we see that many of his disciples begin to walk away. And we know it wasn't part of the 12 because right here, verse 68 tells us, Jesus asked the 12, do you want to go with them as well? Peter's reply is exactly right. And those of you who are believers whose faith has wavered, listen to what Peter said. And those of you who have not accepted Jesus as Savior, what a great opportunity. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone. You alone, meaning there's nobody else, have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. If you are to advance in adverse times, Jesus is our only hope. We have believed and confidently trusted and even more we have come to know by personal observation and experience that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, Son of the living God. In conclusion, hear me, beloved. Of course, the word of God lets us know that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man returns. But if we are discerners of times and seasons, if we are in tune to Holy Spirit, if we are not if we are discerning Of what's going on. 
and I was about to say not being over analytical, but if we're discerning from a spiritual standpoint and not just making everything, not just spiritualizing everything, but if we're discerning of times and seasons, even though we don't know the day nor the hour, one thing we know for sure that we're closer now than when we first believed of Christ's return. And just let me give you a brief compendium or synopsis of the, what's going to happen at the end. And of course, I don't have the time to do a whole discourse on eschatology or the end times, but just give you a, a glimpse of what's to happen in the end times. And these things are going to happen. First, there is going to be a real catching up of the saints. And this is not to be confused with what is called the second coming. A lot of people say, use the word rapture, but it's, the word rapture is not actually what the word of God says. It says they will be caught up. So there is going to be a real catching up of the saints. And, and listen, and whether you find yourself pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, the Bible is very clear on the order of these events. You have some who debate, well, some's going to be here doing the great tribulation. Well, if we study our Bibles, they're going to be those, believers are going to be caught up, they're going to meet Christ in the air. So first, there's going to be a catching up of the saints. Then the Antichrist or the beast and Understand the word antichrist is just simply means opponent of the Messiah. So the antichrist, the beast, here is not referring to Satan, will come into power and will sign a covenant with Israel for seven years. This is found in Daniel. This seven year period is also known as the tribulation. And during the tribulation, there will be terrible wars, famines, plagues, natural disasters. And at this particular time, God is going to be pouring out his wrath against sin evil, and wickedness. Now, during this tribulation, and that's why it's so good to study uh, Revelation in the prophetic books. During this tribulation, uh, there's going to be a, the appearance of the four horsemen, the apocalypse, and the seven seal trumpet, and the seven bowl of vows of judgment. And, it, and it, the, the seven bowls of vows of judgment are the final judgments of the tribulation period, and these are going to be the most severe judgments that the world has ever seen. About halfway through the seven years, the Antichrist, he's going to break peace. He will break the peace with the covenant that he had with Israel and make war against it. Now listen to this. So the, the Antichrist, he's going to commit the abomination of desolation and he's going to set up an image of himself to be worshipped in the temple of Jerusalem, which will have been rebuilt. Now, at the second portion of the tribulation, what is known as the Great Tribulation, uh, in the time of Jacob's trouble, we're going to see that this is when the Antichrist or those who oppose the Messiah, they're going to launch a final attack on Jerusalem, culminating in the battle of what is known as Armageddon. Now, during that time, at the end of that, Someone say Jesus Christ. 
He's going to return and he's going to destroy the Antichrist and his armies and cast them into the lake of fire. Now, after that seven-year tribulation period, Christ is going to come. Uh, this is what is known as the millennial or the millennial kingdom. His millennial reign is a literal thousand years as is recorded several times in Revelation. So Jesus is going to come. He's going to destroy the Antichrist's, the Antichrist's armies and cast them to the lake of fire. Not Satan, the Antichrist. So Christ will then bind Satan in the abyss for a thousand years. Someone will say, where do you get this? It's all in Revelation. So Christ will then bind Satan in the abyss for a thousand years and he will come and rule his earthly kingdom for a thousand year period. He's going to reign as king over Israel as well as the whole world. Now the purpose of this particular thousand year reign is to fulfill promises that God made with Israel and of course the whole world, but they cannot be fulfilled while Satan is running free and there are humans still in positions of political power. So during this time, Christ is going to reign. There's going to be time of peace and I guess I have to do a, a, a course, a discourse on this to explain a lot of this. But at the end of the thousand years now, at the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released, defeated, and then he will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Then after that, Christ is going to judge, listen to this, all unbelievers at the great white throne of judgment, casting them into the lake of fire. Christ will then usher in, the Bible talks about a new Jerusalem, a new earth. It's going to come down from heaven. And we will be with God. He will be our God. He will, we, he will be our God. We will be his people and live on this new Jerusalem forevermore. The eternal dwelling place of believers. There will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death. Now, my question to you. Are you covered? Will you be caught up? Or will you be one who was not believing, but will have to suffer during that period of tribulation? Listen, I pose the question again, just like the jailer. What must I do to be saved? Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 declares that if I will confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, if I will confess with my mouth and believe in my heart the Lord Jesus, and that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Ma'am, woman, young boy, young girl, if you're hearing this and you know that you do not know Jesus in a part of your sins, I admonish you with all speed to accept him as your Savior and Lord. There is no other way. Well, there may be another way, but that is not a risk, risk I would be willing to take. If this is you, why not ask him to be your Lord and Savior today?
If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.